Hello, everyone. Welcome to the We Shape podcast. I'm Katie. I am here with Tyler. Hi. And we have a great guest today. I'm really excited. And I, right. I'm reluctant to even ask you how you are because I just want to talk to this person. That'll be great. I mean, we, we literally started diving into it with the guest before we started recording. And then you're like, hold on a second. Let's just pause. Like, like what are we doing? Let's, I know. Let's get this we were ready on. to do a whole episode before the episode. So I'm like, wait, this is where we need to go in the episode. So um, I think I'm just going to jump right in. Let's it's one it. of the last episodes of the year. And I and I feel like this is an important time to be talking about some of these topics. So um, today's guest is Abby Atwood. She's an anti-diet weight-inclusive provider with a master's of science in nutrition. After years of disordered eating fueled by competitive running, anxiety, OCD, and autoimmune disease, Abby found a gentle, compassionate approach to eating and caring for her body. She is dedicated to helping her clients around the world heal from disordered eating, chronic dieting, compulsive exercise, and body shame through her private practice, Abby Atwood Wellness, and her podcast called Full Plate. Her approach is rooted in self-compassion, freedom from restriction, um, divesting from the oppressive roots of diet culture, and reclaiming trust in our body to build an authentic and fulfilling life. So without further ado, Abby, welcome. Can you hear us over there? I can hear you okay. over Yay. Sorry. I know we've had like a little bit of technical stuff today. So just, well, welcome to the We Shape podcast. We're really excited to have you and talk about some of these really meaningful, deep, deep topics of can toxic I, can culture. Can I just say that your podcast name, Full Plate, I'm in love with this already. I mean, it's so gorgeous because I think that people need to eat a full plate for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I well, it's funny you say that. I it means so many things to me actually that that name. Like yeah. I feel like one of the things that I mean, at the most um I guess at the most kind of like literal translation of that, I think that so many of us don't fill our plates food-wise, right? Because of diet culture and the society we live in, but the other thing is like I also felt like when I was stuck in the loop of that, that and I know this is true for my clients too. It's like my my plate, like my life plate, was literally like only consumed by thoughts about food and exercise and body, right? Like it didn't, there was no space for anything else on my plate. And I feel like that's even just, yeah, like just the energy and resources and time and oh, life is so life much more. Feels from us. It's so much right. more than what are you going to eat and what are you going to exercise? And how we were just talking about this this morning because we're supposed to be going on a trip. And I said, it's so liberating because every trip in the past I would go on for like a couple weeks before I'd be like, okay, m watch everything you eat. You're going to be in a bathing suit. Or da and now I'm like, I'm going on a trip. Like it just, just the fact that I don't have to be thinking about things. It's the thoughts that consume the energetic. It's like we can't measure the energy output of thoughts or maybe we can. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. But it's like we, it's I, so all consuming in your mind. It is. It is. And then, you know, it's and then it's like we wonder why. I mean, we wonder why we can't. So, I mean, a lot of people will think about like, oh, the pursuit of weight loss with, you know, whatever by through whatever means they expect their body image and their experience in their body to improve. But research shows that body shame, body obsession, like body image actually gets worse the more that you are restricting the more that you are trying to control your body because all of your energy to your point just is focused on your body like that's all your life becomes and so how can you possibly live a full life when all you are is consumed by thoughts of your appearance and your body right it just it doesn't make sense mm. so but we live in a amen. culture yeah. that tells us 
That's really important though. I just, I don't want to glance over what you just said, like that the more we obsess about it, the less we have for anything else in our life. And the more we get stressed and the more we judge and the more like, cause there's this thing that we've said like a thousand times on the podcast that people think that if you get to that quote unquote ideal body, that you'll finally be happy. And the reality is, is that you're still super unhappy and you're nitpicking at these levels that are absolutely unhealthy. And it's not good for your psyche. It's not good for your relationships. It's not good for anything to do with your life. And so like the part, the starting of the journey is appreciate yourself now and work from there, from self-appreciation rather than self-judgment. Well, I mean, it was funny because we, Tyler and I used to have a body transformation company before we had WeShape. And we used to watch people lose a lot of weight, many, many, like thousands of people. And many of people had lost like well over 100 pounds. And there's these big, like in their mind, like these big, we were like, wow, these are big accomplishments. And the funny thing about it was, was like, it always ended in one of two ways, which was now I need more weight loss or I'm gaining all the weight back and I'm feeling worse than I did before. And either of those scenarios was not pleasure, enjoyment, fulfillment, self-worth. Both scenarios always ended with dissatisfaction. And I was like, that's when I was really cluing into like, we're giving people what they want, but they're not actually getting what they thought that they would get from that experience. And then that's when everything shifted and we ended up kind of shutting that down and starting WeShape. We were like, we are on the wrong path here because we're watching all these people in front of us like, quote unquote, achieve success. But nobody felt worthy of that success because I don't really believe that's like a good measurement of success anyway. But now I see it. At the time, I didn't. And now I'm like, whoa. But nobody was happy. And so, I mean, what can you say to people out there, Abby, who are who do believe that they're worth that they will feel better when their body is a certain way or that the scale says a certain number? Like what what can you say to those people? Yeah, what a big question. I think. One of the things that I come back to all the time in this work is like that when we restrict what we're eating, when like just I mean, that's you have to do that in the pursuit of if you're pursuing weight loss, like whether it's restricting the times that you eat, the types of foods that you eat, the literal calories like you're restricting in some way, like you are restricting your whole life. Like it's not just that you're restricting food. It's like you are making your life smaller. Mm. Right. And so to think that we will feel better by doing that, it's, it is like the greatest lie like that's sold to us our whole life, right? Like, and it's, and I always say like it's by design. Like, it's not, it's not this like coincidence that your life shrinks when you're pursuing all of this stuff. Like, I really believe that all these systems are in place to really distract us from being able to live a meaningful life and like to really, live in alignment with who we want to be and our values because like at the end of the day your values is what i would say is like your values are not thinness right there's something deeper there that you're longing for and that we're all longing for that we have been told that thinness and weight loss is going to give us so to Mm. your point when you just said like they never felt that quote-unquote success it's because it was never about the body it was about what that meant Right. Like whether it's like feeling safety or belonging or lovability or desirability, like whether just wanting people to appreciate you or admire you or I mean, it's so many things. But we have to dig deeper and ask ourselves, like, what is it that we actually want? 
because we know we know a like weight loss long term doesn't work like research has showed us i mean we've seen that over a century of research on weight loss but we also know like we're being sold something that just distracts us from actually living in the moment and tyler you said that a few minutes ago like we have to stay present and this pursuit keeps us from being in the present moment we're always thinking about like you're like putting your life off until xyz right until i get to this certain body and so you end up missing out on life so do right? you think that it's big so i'm keep coming i mean i ask my brain just is constantly in this loop of like well, what about this and what about that but do you i keep coming I back to this <laughs> idea around regardless of what it is we're pursuing it doesn't even have to be about our body that at the end of the day that we're we're seeking for something outside of ourselves some validation from somebody else. And do we? Do you think that we could ever really get that type of validation that we want from somebody else? Or do you think that has to come from our, our own inner work, our own self? Yeah, it's a great question. I come back to this all the time. I think there's a look at like, what does it mean to belong, right? And I think what we're sold is conformity, mm-hmm. not true belonging, right? So I think if we're trying to pursue what we've been taught is what makes us good, valuable, worthy. And we haven't done the work to unpack whether that's what we believe or whether that's just what we've been conditioned to believe. And I don't think there's ever true fulfillment in that. However, I think that so much of this, like so much of just healing in general, like big Big picture healing is about also like finding community and connection where you do feel validated and accepted for exactly who you are, like truly who you are, rather than trying to conform. And really what we're doing when we conform is like we're abandoning ourselves, and there's no happiness or joy in that long term. Mm -hmm. But I do think there's I do think like a lot of times when we're when we're healing, like we can feel really isolating and we do have to consciously seek out people who are in alignment with our values, who, you know, we, we do as humans need connection. Right. And we yeah. do need acceptance from others. Like, I don't think, you know, you can do all the work on self-acceptance, but if you're walking around the world and you feel like no one is seeing you, hearing you, understanding you, like it's still a really lonely experience. But I do think like, unfortunately, we have to set some pretty serious boundaries around who we let in 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 that like like the closeness of like who we let in. You know, I mean, obviously mm, there's always like, so a big. random person at work. Are you <laughs> saying that like the core and the foundation of the validation and acceptance has to come from self? And then as as human beings, we're, you know, social creatures who want to be in relation with other. And so the the bigger picture and the kind of cherry on top is when we find people in the similar value system who accept us for who we are. Um, because I just I'm so curious if like we say, OK, like I find all these people to connect with. But if I still don't connect with myself on the inside, like is something still going to be missing? Like is that still it's like both have to be there? Yeah, I think that's that's exactly how I think about it. Like and. It's funny, you know, I think about this in like self-compassion work, too, because when a lot of us like we're capable of so much compassion for other people mm-hmm. and we can't apply that to ourselves so often. Right. Like so you might be or I'll work with people who are 
you know, really working through a lot of their beliefs around like their worthiness, like this conversation we're having, which a lot of times like comes down to their body. Right. And as we start to do this work and we unpack like beliefs about health, beliefs about bodies and fatness and all these things, they start to really extend all this compassion outward to like people around them and their and that and then they stop judging other people's bodies. They stop judging other people or what they look like, but they still there's still this cognitive dissonance of like, why can't I feel the same way about myself as I do about other people? Like I'm accepting that they're in that body. I can accept that like they're worthy, but I still can't accept myself. And so it's like this constant um dance we're doing of like practicing compassion and acceptance out in the world and using that as fuel to like practice it inward too. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's like these two things that are just constantly working together of like, okay, I'm working to accept others and I'm working to accept myself. And we're using both of those at the same time. It's like they always say there's no such thing as one way liberation, right? Like we have to be doing both. Yeah, I, I love that. I want to echo something you just said, too, that I thought was beautiful, because when you were talking a few minutes ago about people not feeling like they have their values in line because value isn't thinness, you know, what came to me is like what's what people really, really want is they want to feel connected. They want to feel loved both internally and externally, like you've mentioned. And you said the word conformity. Conformity makes us good citizens. Conformity makes us fit in with the whole, but conformity oftentimes is an abandonment of self. It's a lack of connection with self. And I think that's such a beautiful thing to highlight because the moment we conform and we abandon ourselves, we can never cultivate that connection with ourselves. And so we will always want outside of ourselves. We're looking for more people who want to, you know, praise me for the amount of conformity I'm able to, you know, display in our society based on the beliefs that we all have versus, hang on a second, what do I need? What do, how do I want to show up? And I think it's so important. I think people need to realize that they have this hole inside of them and they want to fill it with that gratification outside of themselves. And the, the most important thing in my own journey is to recognize like, that's not a hole inside you. You're already our whole. And it just takes time to recognize that and really feel that and embody that and offer it to others so that you learn how to offer it to yourself, just like you're saying. So I mean, thanks for the conformity thing. That's, yeah, that's really conformity cool. Conformity is bad. I like that. I want to highlight mm-hmm. something and I I struggle with how to have this conversation, but I think it's really important. Um, you know, Abby, I feel like it's it's we live in a fat phobic culture. And I think that what's hard is that when people are in larger bodies and then I'm coming to them and I'm like, well, you're worth it. And like you can just be happy in the body that you have. You know, it's hard. I I have privilege that you know, is is not that of everyone. And so I'm always like stuck in this position of like, I want to just recognize the human behind the body and offer people permission to feel worth and and let them know that I've had these experiences with helping people achieve body transformation and not have them get what they were really after. Um, but it is challenging when you live in a culture that is fat phobic, that does treat people in larger bodies differently. So it's like, Going to a client who's in a larger body and telling them, hey, you are worthy and you can just cultivate your own self-worth and your own confidence while they're out in a world that's constantly being delivered a different message and people are being treated differently based on how they look. It's like, how do we navigate that? I know this is kind of heavy, but it's like, 
I, I think oh, about I'm this a lot. for the heaviness. Okay. That's like the only okay. thing I know. Okay. <laughs> it, it's hard, right? Like I, sometimes I just want to sit back and be a little bit quiet because I'm like, who am I to say that? I get that. Um, at the same time, I want to provide a level of advocacy and um, community and connection with with me- every many types of people. So even though I haven't lived their experience, I want to advocate for their experience and, and do the best I can to do that. I, I'm just I guess I'm trying to understand is like how because I don't really know what you know when someone says that to me. It's like, well, I am in the pursuit of weight loss because I will be treated differently. And 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 this is the culture we live in. Some people have told me that this is the culture we live in. And so if I don't conform, I'm going to be I'm going to be I'm going to be treated differently and I don't want to be treated differently. It's like, how? where do you go with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think there's so many things. I think so. I, I've completely resonate and empathize with what you're saying. And this is really hard. I think none of us know what it's like to be in someone else's body. Right. And I think um, when I run groups um, and do kind of support groups, I mean, this is one of the hardest things, I think, when everybody's showing up in different bodies, like, it's really hard for people to reckon with that, like that their experience is really different from this other person's. Um, I think at, at a kind of if we zoom out to, I think, regardless of the body we show up in, we have to remind ourselves that like weight bias and fat phobia and anti-fatness in our society, like it is one form of oppression, right? Like it is it is something that is rooted in racism, right? And ableism and sexism. And that when you look around the world, there's so many people who are navigating these oppressive systems and marginalized identities all the time, right? But the answer, I always come back to that, the answer is not to acquiesce to the oppressor and the bully, right? Like, if the system is the bully and the oppressor, right? Like, we can't, we come back to like, Tyler, like that self-abandonment thing, right? Like, you don't have to abandon yourself for this system, right? And, and can we meet clients and people where they're at with this? Because yeah, we are asking them to, uh, to sacrifice some of the safety they feel in the world, if they're in a larger body, for example, for some more joy it within themselves, right? And how do we, I mean, you can't tell somebody that that is worth it for them when you're not walking through the world in their body. So all you can do is provide like you have to provide like informed consent about like, OK, let's look at let's play out the tape. If you pursue weight loss, let's talk about what your life will look like. Right. Like, let's talk about what your lived experience has been with that. Let's also talk about this, what the science says about intentional weight loss and how it fails. Let's talk about the psychological impact, the physical impact. I mean, people think then like pursuing weight loss is synonymous with per- pursuing health. That's bullshit. It it's is. so harmful to our physical health to restrict, right? Like just the, at the physical level of like not eating enough and like the nutrient deficiencies, but at the like, but actually the toll it takes on our body from a stress standpoint, right? And to start to tell people, like, this is what happens because people aren't telling people that. They're like, doctors are just prescribing weight loss and they're promising, like, a better life. But we have to say, like, we have to look at this and say, what are the pros and cons of this situation? Because you're right. Navigating the world is harder. 
mm-hmm. in a marginalized identity? And what if there is hardship either way? What kind of hard mm. do you want, right? The type of hard that like is bringing you closer to yourself, the type of hard that is helping you find community that accepts you for exactly who you are, the kind of hard that lets you live in alignment with your values and focus your life on like so many bigger things, or the kind of hard that's more aligned with oppression, right? It's not easy. <laughs> like it's not an easy choice, you know? Yeah. In some ways, am I hearing you say that, and going back to this conformity thing, right? When we're talking to someone and they say like, but I can't, like so we live in this world. I think what I'm kind of hearing them say, if I just kind of center around it, is like getting, f- feeling safe and fitting in and conforming is a higher value to me than connecting with self because connecting with self is scary because then you might not connect with the community around you because you're not conforming, right? And that's fearful. And that, and therefore, just by saying, I want to connect with myself, I want to care for myself, I want to appreciate myself, everybody will look at you and say, what are you doing? No, you can't do that. You're not exactly the way society told you to be. Is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? Well, also, I just I think what I was trying to say in the beginning is I just want to hold space because I haven't been treated differently in our culture as a result of how my body looks. That has been in my face anyway, right? And I think that people go through really traumatic, horrific experiences and are treated differently based on their physical body. And so I think this work for me on a personal level becomes complicated because I feel a a large sense of energy inside for advocacy for this type of work. And I haven't been in a body that has been, um, you know, I haven't been treated differently as a result. So it's like I'm always kind of trying to do this. And neither have you. I mean, when you were younger, you were for sure. I was going to say, hold on a second. Yeah. Hold on a second. I was fat shamed for like a decade or more in my youth. And it dramatically affected my my ego and my self-confidence. I only have my own personal experience of how, you know, diet culture has um, impacted me on a personal level. But I have not been oppressed by diet culture. And so and those are different things. And if people have more curiosity about that, we did have a sociologist, Dr. Jimenez, on an episode, and she talked about the difference between being impacted versus being oppressed by diet culture. So I encourage our listeners to just go back and listen to it because um, anyway, I I like literally couldn't be oppressed by it because I'm a white woman. So that's it was a different episode. I wish we had all the time. She's coming back in the next season. But um, so, yeah, I just it's an interesting topic because I feel like I want to advocate and support people And I just have my own lived experience of watching thousands of people have body transformation and not feeling happy and and me wanting to go, wait, you know. And then we've also had the experience of having a lot of like fitness models, for instance, on the podcast. And those people weren't happy either. So (laughs) it's kind of like this, like I want to scream from the rooftop, like this is a lie. Like even if you get the desired thing that you want you're probably not going to feel the desired feeling that you're after. So I like this this concept of like, let's hold space and empathy and and understanding that we all can't, we can't understand one another's experience because we're not in another person's body. Um, I guess I'm 
having a pep talk with myself. It doesn't mean we shouldn't do this work. <laughs> hey there, if you're enjoying the WeShape podcast and you've heard us talk about WeShape before, then you're probably thinking to yourself, hey, what is WeShape? Well, at WeShape, we create personalized at-home workouts for every single one of our members. These are workouts where every single movement is customized to you to help you connect with your body and care for your body in a much more meaningful way. We also have a community of people there to support you, to help uplift you as you examine your beliefs, set new intentions, and again, start showing up for yourself as an act of self-care rather than trying to do your workouts as an act of self-judgment. And hey, if you're a fan of the podcast, we also do a live podcast discussion group on Zoom, as well as other Q&As, as well as free challenges for all of our members to help you get motivated to actually start taking action to caring for yourself so you can feel better in your body and about your body. So if you want to try WeShape for free for two full weeks, go to WeShape.com backslash podcast and you can get started today. No, and no, it doesn't mean that, right? Like, I think the goal is to remind people that they're deserving of this, whatever they decide in this moment. Mm, right? I love that. I think for a long time, people straddle the fence and they hop over the fence and then they hop back over the fence. They go back to diet land and then they come back to, no, I want liberation and freedom. And I think that the greatest gift we can give people and ourselves is to normalize the messiness of the process and the fact that like you don't just wake up one day and decide like nope never again am i gonna want to do that thing never again am i gonna want to pursue weight loss like it's not realistic and so i think we need to normalize that like the experience is messy and just because you're wavering between these two things all the time doesn't mean you are any less deserving of it once you decide you know i think we all know that like if we waited to do something until we were fully ready, then we never would. Right. So it's OK to try and then and then go back and then try again and go back. And that's frankly what most people even recovering from like very serious eating disorders do. Right. Like it, uh, most people don't just like boom, recover. Right. Mm -hmm. They they flip flop a lot. And I think that's why it's important to to just hold space for that. And the other thing I would say is. At like at the end of the day, yeah, yes, if you decide to pursue weight loss because you think it's going to make you feel safer in the world, it's temporary. It's temporary because we know it doesn't work long term, you know, and it's also not um, it's not harmless. The attempt itself isn't harmless. So what I mean by that is like weight cycling is an independent risk factor for all of these different chronic conditions, right? And so just the attempt at weight loss, like we think, oh, why not? You know, what's the harm? No, there's a lot of harm in that. So like just really giving yourself, like if someone's listening and struggling with this question, like making sure you're arming yourself with all the information about what it means to attempt weight loss, like the 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 failure rate of that, right? The psychological, mental, physical, emotional impact of that, but also the fact that like actually weight cycling leads you to a higher weight over time. Right. That's what the that's also what the research. There's does. a lot of misconceptions around yeah. weight loss equaling health, weight loss yeah. equaling certain capabilities. I remember one time we had someone on the call who was like, well, I want to lose weight so that way I can do this physical thing. And I was like, I mm. know people in your body who could like with your body type that could mm -hmm. do that thing. It's like we mm. you know what I mean? Like there it, it's like we, we think that being thin means we could do more physically. And I'm like, I think that there are people who like could do that. It, like just you're focusing on the weight loss. Why don't you focus on the thing? Like, I think she wanted to do something with yoga. Yeah. And I was like, you could just focus on doing practicing that and not focus on the weight loss. But like, that's how we're wired to think that 
if I'm going to be healthy, if I'm going to be flexible, if I'm going to be strong, then I have to be thin first. I'll lose the weight and then I'll do those things. And I'm like, well, actually just shift and start practicing those things. (laughs) We'll be back in just a moment. We want to make sure everyone knows about WeShape, the company we founded to offer people a different approach to health and fitness. Most health and fitness apps use shame and self-judgment as tools to push you to exercise more so you can lose weight. But at WeShape, we gently guide you towards approaching your workouts as an act of self-care rather than an act of self-judgment. On top of that, we've invested heavily in a technology behind our workouts so we can deliver a personalized workout plan centered around functional movements you can do from home that will help you feel better in your body. If you want to try WeShape out for free, click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com forward slash free, where you can build your first workout and activate your two-week free trial. And now, back to the Feeling Lighter podcast. I mean, I know it's kind of crazy, like, totally. yeah, just do that. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And and I and it's it's also, yeah, the, the thinness equals health thing is such a it's ugh, it's pretty violent. Right. Like if you think about it, like what it does to everyone. But it's it's important to remember that there's not a single health condition that exists only in larger bodies. Right. Like not a single one. Right. So Huge. anything that a fat person can get medical condition wise injury whatever it is so does a thin person right it's so important to remember this and i'll have clients who'll be like well i'm you know i'm i'm really struggling like i get winded going up the stairs like i know that i th- i know that if i lose weight then i won't then that won't happen i'm like no that's actually not true right like i know lots of people in small bodies who get winded going up the stairs the the solution yeah. is not weight loss right yeah the solution is if you want to, if it feels like a compassionate practice, to start working on and building up aerobic capacity in ways that feel good for you so that you don't get winded going up the stairs. And guess what? If your body never changes as a result of that, I probably it won't if you're, you know, feeding yourself adequately and right, like, but your aerobic capacity can change. And the research shows this time and again. Like we can build physical fitness without any kind of weight change, right? So, so, yeah, it is like dispelling. That's what I'm saying, though. It's like it's funny. We think that in order to be strong, in order to be flexible, in order to have like, you know, the ability to handle aerobic, like, it, it, the weight loss is a part of it. And what I think we're saying is it's absolutely not. <laughs> I heard you say that. Yeah, and it's there. perpetuated. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll come back in a sec. Go for the perpetuated. OK. <laughs> I was. Go for the perpet- I was going to say it's perpetuated by the media and like what we see in like social media or just like advertising at, at like if you just think about like fitness spaces, right? Like it's always featuring people in smaller bodies, right? So like the association there is so strong that like to be fit, you have to look a certain way. And that's not true. And it's constantly in our faces, mm-hmm. right? So I think there's a really big issue of representation in the fitness space and in the health and wellness space and diet, the diet industry. Like it, it's constantly pushing forth that message. Like it's not just that people have the lived experience where they think it's being reinforced, but they look around and every person they see that's held up as the picture of physical fitness is thin. Is that goes back to my point is earlier around how I have to hold space for people in our culture who are constantly fat shamed as a result of, you know what I mean? So that's why I'm always trying to like, oh, that is that is a really, that must be so hard to be constantly reinforced by all of these messages that we're not even really 
conscious of. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's just always in our face, like reinforcing. And that's why this work is hard, I think, because I'm I'm like, well, there's another way. And then like everyone else is like, but this is the way yeah, it's like, oh, no, terrible. no, don't don't follow that person on Instagram and don't look at those ads and <laughs> close your eyes. You know, it's like it's 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 powerful. I'd love to comment on this other way, because I feel like you said something there that I just was like, wow, that was a beautiful word. And it was if this is a compassionate practice. And I think it's important to highlight something because you had just mentioned a little while back, uh, Katie, about, you know, maybe I, w- I had a weight loss journey of my, my own. Uh, you know, I was overweight as a kid and whatnot. And I came across um, a judgmental practice, which I think is what 99.99999% of people do. They look in the mirror and they say they hate themselves in one way or another, and they use that as fuel to go change the way that they look, thinking that's going to make them happy. And here's the real kicker is that people have this notion that this is going to work, but for maybe one out of a thousand people are judgmental enough of themselves to give them the fuel to make it work, right? And then sometimes it bounces back and forth. But the other 999 out of those thousand people, I'm just making these numbers up, but I'm just trying to just give people a perspective. The other 999 of those people are, <laughs> are, are identifying with what they're saying to themselves, Right. Like I would judge myself to get myself fuel, but eventually I identified with the person I was becoming, not the person I was. But I think most people get trapped in staying identified with the person that they were. And that creates this negative fear-based experience around their experience of approaching exercise, nutrition, whatever it may be. And I think that if you can shift the lens from self-judgment to create fuel to self-compassion, self-kindness, and like uh, the thing I always say over and over again to our coaching clients is like, show up for your workouts as an act of self-care, not as an act of self-judgment, mm-hmm. right? Like you deserve to do things to take care of and try to feel better in your body so you can have movement freedom and you can do the things that you want as best as you can. And I just think it's such a, a, a important note to say, if you're finding motivation through self-judgment, like we got to start there. We got to figure out how to find appreciation for your body, whatever it is. And we got to come to a place of, finding that motivation from a desire to create more self-care, if, if that's the and path I, that And I just got to say, because there's going to be people listening who go, well, if the one person found what they wanted through judgment, I'm that one person. And I'm, I just want so, to dispel so, this. So I, just, like, it, so I want to be really mindful of saying that because I'm like, yeah. that person might get what they want in the short term, but that self-judgment is just going to transfer someone else. And I do not believe that that will see. You're going to be miserable. You're just going to keep trying fulfillment. to fill the yeah. hole in different ways and it will yeah. never be full and you'll just die still trying to fill that hole, you know? So I don't know. That just had to yeah. comment on that because I just find so many people use that self-judgment as fuel. And I loved what you said about compassionate practice compassion yeah i what you're naming is like that we have been taught that shame is a really powerful motivator right right? like we've been taught that like in order to tackle any kind of like quote-unquote behavior change that we have to kind of be our own internal drill sergeant and that that's the only way and that's it couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, the research done on shame, I mean, it dispels that right and left because you're, shame you're just getting reps is, hating yourself. You're getting practice hating worst. yourself. It's not a motivator. It's it's actually like it's one of the reasons going back to what we were talking about in the beginning when I said that like it, the the irony of pursuing like weight loss and being and being fixated on your body is that like you end up having worse body image. It's the same with shame, right? So like 
the more that you're trying to motivate yourself through this, like, kind of like, come on, like, you know, no days off, like, you can do this, like, this is, you know, I mean, we think about like those disgusting old phrases, like, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. Um, Disgusting, right? Like, that's, right? Like, the idea that that's going to make us feel better about ourselves is completely misguided. And it's not our fault. It's sold to us, right? But like, shame is not a motivator like compassion time and time again self-kindness we're showing we think that's weakness it's not we actually see that people who are more compassionate towards themselves are actually more motivated long term to do things that like actually care for them like like promote health and well-being long term so what do you say to the client because this has come up a lot too so i'm giving you all the hard questions today abby um yeah, I just say one thing before. Yeah. Sorry, it's just so related to what she's just saying. Sorry to interrupt that. I just, I feel like it. it's people who were in my position that uphold this belief system, right? Like Katie said, we used to we used to have a body transformation company. And I was like, look, yeah. look at all this shame that fueled me here. And look at all these rules that I created for myself that got me to where I'm going. You should do this too, right? And it's like, I just look back on that version of myself and go like, what the fuck was I thinking like it was just not going to work for anybody because they were just identifying with those repetitions of shame in themselves and just creating more self-hatred and self-judgment and I just like I feel sad that I was ever propagating that and I and I just wish that more people who are in the position who are propagating that system would pause for a second and recognize what they're doing and and make a change around that so sorry to interrupt I just yeah. wanted to say that um so I want to go back to this question of, of like, what happens when you have a client who comes to you and says, well, I have yo-yoed, my weight's gone up and down, and I do feel better when I lose weight. Like, I do feel better when my body is smaller. What do you say to that person? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, so it, it's hard because, yeah, I'll get these, like, comments like that on, like, an Instagram post. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, of I need hours to sit and talk to you about this. I can't <laughs> reply to them. I, I know. I'm sorry. I'm giving you the hard questions. These are just things that have been no, coming I, up lately. I'm like, oh, I want to talk to someone about this. These are no, actual conversations I've had with people. Yeah. Oh, me too. Every day. So I think what I mean, first and foremost, would just need like a long time and a safe space to sit and talk with this person about like, okay, let's really think about what feels better when you lose weight. Like, let's get specific. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel more accepted? Is it that you're getting compliments? Right. I mean, you're going to get praised. Right. And you're going to get validation because that's the society we live in. Um, unfortunately, like I always say, when somebody's complimenting weight loss, they're reinforcing usually eating disorder behaviors. Mm-hmm. Right. Or or perhaps someone is suffering and they're grieving or they've lost they have cancer. They have had a miscarriage. I mean, it's just, I could, that's a whole other episode, but do not yeah. compliment weight loss, right? <laughs> Hard stuff. Let's have that as a but, rule. Yeah, rule. So I think one piece is like the um, external praise can feel good for somebody, right? So just that like sense of achievement, like you've done something quote unquote good, right? Um, so we might want to unpack that. Like what part of the feeling good when you lose weight is um, emotional, right? And um, and kind of rooted in that outer acceptance and validation. Then let's talk about the real physical differences that you feel. Right. 
And a lot of times what you find when you start to dig into this conversation is like there are certain behaviors that folks are engaging in that might actually make them feel better, right? But it didn't have anything to do with the weight loss, right? So perhaps they started like walking more regularly and they really loved that, right? Now that could go in conjunction with some compulsive exercising or some under eating that like for the intentional weight loss. But if you just try to like zero in on a couple of things that maybe they were doing again, Tyler, like from a place, can we do those things from a place of self-compassion? Can we start to create a different relationship with those things, right? Do you feel better like incorporating some vegetables here and there? Awesome. That doesn't have to be about weight loss. Do you feel good going for a walk in the morning? Um, Amazing. It doesn't have to be a certain number of minutes and it doesn't have to be about weight loss. Like, can we talk about behaviors versus this like weight outcome that you're associating? I see. So what you're saying is that like this idea of let's say that I was in a cycle of weight loss and I got down to a certain number that I wanted and I felt, quote unquote, felt great. People are always attributing that to fat loss instead of, oh, I was strength training or, oh, I was going on hikes and enjoying time with friends. Or it's like I hear what I hear you saying is that they're just attributing that feeling to the incorrect thing. And that feeling great in your body, like on the physical side. Right. I'm talking about the physical side because this comes up a lot when people are like, this is a huge myth, I think around, well, I know what it's like to be in a smaller body because I've done the exercise and the diet. And when I was smaller, I felt better. And what I hear you saying is on the physical side, it was likely not as a result of the weight loss. It was a result of the way that maybe, again, I don't know if people are caring for their body in this more intentional way, but it's like you could still feel that way without the weight loss. You can still do strength training. You can still you know, build your cardiovascular system and go on hikes with friends. Like there can be joy behind it and intention behind it that's different. And it's not it's not predicated on fat loss. Yeah, that's right. And there's more to that, too. Like so there is like the emotional piece of the the external validation and the praise that can make you just feel good. I mean, think about yeah. that. Like that feels good. Yeah. Right. Um, then there is the feeling of, quote unquote, success. Right. Oh, I did this thing like it's like dieting and weight loss gives people a big purpose in their life, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and having purpose and direction and like this checklist of like, I did all the quote unquote right things today also feels good for people, right? Yeah. That feels really safe and contained and certain, right? Um, and then the third thing is, yes, um, there might have been like f- like behaviors that they were doing that were making them feel better that didn't have anything to do with the change in their body size, right? The other thing, though, is that you can genuinely feel you might actually genuinely feel better in a smaller body. And I don't want to take that away from anybody, right? Yeah. Like, I think it's really important to hold space for the fact that, like, everybody has their own experience in their body and we can never know. We've talked we talked about that earlier. Like, we cannot know. And, right, what is the cost of that? We come back to, like, what is the cost of centering your whole life around shrinking your body and trying to keep it shrunk? Right. Because we know that's going to consume your life. That's going to consume your time, your energy, your money, everything. So what is it costing you to do that? And so do you feel better in your body physically because your body is smaller? Sure. I want to hold space for that. And I also want to hold space for the fact that it was also costing you a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. And let's talk about that and think about that. And also what happens when the weight comes back on because we know that it does, right? Like it does. And then what's the cost to your health in that 
in that at that point, right? Yeah. Also, I'll just add one more thing on. Also, also this kind of also also this comes back to the conformity thing. So, like, this is a form of self abandonment, right? Like neglect, like not feeding yourself enough, and we're conforming, and there's something that can feel good and safe about that, but all the praise, all the love that you might receive around that was predicated and conditional on that weight loss, right? And so that just reinforces to people that their worth only lies in the size of their body. And that in and of itself, it's pretty destructive to our self-worth, right? Well, Abby, this has been a really good conversation. There's been a lot of burning questions on my mind lately. So thank you for sitting through all of my, the chitter chatter in my mind of like, I don't know how to approach these things. I want to think about it in a certain way. But before we let you go, um, I've been asking a lot of our guests recently, just thinking back to a belief that you once held that you no longer hold anymore. So like a transformation in a particular belief. And how, what, what, what was a belief you had that you no longer have that has really allowed more freedom and allowed you to feel lighter? Not be lighter, but feel lighter. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, first, I want to just say to you both that this is a really beautiful question because I think recognizing that we can change our beliefs is really important because I think coming into this, everything we've talked about today is like, a lot of the things that hold us up in this is like thinking that how can we ever possibly feel different, right? Yeah. Like, I believe that I'm going to feel better if I'm smaller. So like, how can I possibly, you know, allow my body to just be, right? Mm -hmm. And I just want to say like, it is possible to change your beliefs. It just takes time. So I love this question. There are a lot of things that I don't believe that you so believe. <laughs> I think something that's just really, like when you raise that, for whatever reason, the thing that's just really coming up for me is that um, a lot of my journey, so to speak, with my mental health has been about anxiety and and um, just what that did to me over the years, right? Like just really, really destructive anxiety. The thing that I used to believe that I no longer believe is that if I just kept doing, mm-hmm. if I just kept busy, If I just kept, you know, being productive um, and kept kind of just, yeah, really just doing, 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 that I would feel safe and okay. And I think almost the the analogy that I would use for that is like, um, it kind of felt like um, if you're on a, if you're on a bike, right? Like if you're pedaling, pedaling keeps you upright. Do you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. And have you ever seen those people at like stop signs or stoplights that can like kind of like keep their bike in one spot and like balance and just amazing. Can't do it. Love to bike, but like can't do that. But it literally felt to me most of my life, I think, that if I wasn't continually pedaling, that I would topple the fuck over, that Mm -hmm. my anxiety would consume me, that everything would like. And the idea of stillness, of rest of like not having to do all the time, that's been life-changing for me. Like the idea that I am safe, even in the absence of like keeping myself busy and being productive and achieving and all these things, like it was really hard, but it it's changed my life. Like, because I think 
a lot of what sent me into an eating disorder was that. Like, if you think about it, like just being super rigid and like exercising all the time, just to literally like literally in the interest of feeling like I was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Like that if I could distract myself from my anxiety, if I could numb it out, if I could just stay busy, that I'd be okay. And I've realized like that is what made me unhealthy and sick and miserable. And rest has been like this thing for me that has changed my life over the last several years. I love that. I think that so few people acknowledge how much achievement can be an addiction and can be something to stifle that pain that comes up from within of being disconnected from self. So thank you for sharing that. I have a similar experience and that really resonates with me. What a what a wonderful transformation of a very powerful belief. So uh, before we go, Abby, let people know where they can find you at. Mm, well, thank you both so much for this. Really good conversation, really good questions and making me think. Um, so I have a podcast um, called Full Plate Podcast. Um, so you can hang out with me there. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're a podcast listener. So that's one way. Um, and then mostly I'm on Instagram. I cannot handle more than one social media. <laughs> Understandably. <laughs> it is so overwhelming. Um, so Instagram is where you can find me really uh, on the kind of daily, which is at Abby Atwood Wellness. And then my website, if um, you want to learn more about just my programs, one-on-one counseling and stuff, that's abbyatwoodwellness.com. Um, so yeah, podcast, Instagram, website. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Abby, for joining us today. And for those of you listening who need to get in touch with WeShape, you can email us at podcast at weshape.com. And you can also go to weshape.com forward slash podcast for a two-week free trial here at WeShape. And thank you again, Abby. What a what a wonderful conversation. Appreciate you just sitting with me in some of these difficult um, questions. And we look forward to seeing everyone next week. Take care, everyone. Thanks, Abby. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, make sure you click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash free, where you can build your first workout and activate your two-week free trial. See you next week.